Welcome to the Authors Who Lead podcast. This podcast is dedicated to you, people who want to be inspired by authors, leaders, and the messages they share. This is such an important podcast to us because we help uncover what goes on behind the scenes when authors are writing their book. We talk about the process. We talk about where they get big ideas, and you can listen in on those conversations. We can't wait for you to join us. So let's get started. I want to talk to you today about something that really has been on my mind lately about books. So many people think of books as being this big, arduous task, meaning it takes a lot of effort, a lot of doing. But what I've come to realize is that's because most people think that books are filled with words. And I guess practically that's true. But books aren't words. Books are ideas or messages that are held up or supported by words. Don't get me wrong, I understand that books are filled with words and that books are just one word after the other with punctuation and subjects and verbs and nouns and everything that goes in between. But if you think of books as words, you're going to get lost. I sometimes say you get lost in word soup. Because if books were just words, then you could just put any words you want together, even if they're logical and they make sense. I'm sure you've read plenty of books that are filled with lots of words, and at the end of it, you just didn't remember it, weren't inspired, or didn't even feel like that you got much from it. I know there are plenty of books I read in college that I never read again, and I don't even remember what they were about. I'm not saying that you remember everything you read, but I am saying that the idea around books is more important than the words themselves, and too many authors get caught up with the idea that books are words. I want you to think of books as messages, ideas, inspiration, something bigger than words. Not long ago, I created something for an audience about how to turn their talk or their speech into a book. And as I was thinking about it is, why is this so complicated? Why is this such a difficult thing? And logically, you would think because you have to write words instead of just speaking. And that's probably true. We're probably more programmed to speak than we are to write. In fact, a great deal of our history was passed on as humans through speaking, sitting around a campfire in a cave, perhaps, sharing our truth, passing along stories, inspiring, challenging, encouraging others. And those ideas got passed on. The ideas were the stories we told each other. Now, when we got writing, they got more complex, and then the words became up for interpretation. But I was thinking about this because I've been working on a book that has been a struggle for me to get out of my head for a long time. In fact, as I was writing that plan or that uh, sort of document for speakers on how to turn their talk into a book, I started thinking about my own TEDx talk and how that came about. For many of you who know the story, I was offered the opportunity to go speak and give a TEDx talk in the Dominican Republic uh, in Santo Domingo. I wasn't even certain what I was going to talk about because I didn't pitch it or apply. I was asked and invited, which is a benefit of being an author. Pretty cool that because I'm an author, people start asking me to events to speak and in this case, give a TED talk. The thing I was struggling with wasn't what to say. It's what do I have to spread? What's the idea we're spreading? That's the TED simple idea sort of behind the whole purpose of the TED talk is to have an idea we're spreading. So I thought, well, what is the idea I have we're spreading? 
And the more I thought about it is, the idea we're spreading had to be so simple that I couldn't mess it up. Meaning that I couldn't get another chance. It was being recorded live in front of an audience. You only had one shot and you couldn't start over. That gave me a lot of anxiety, as you could imagine. But I started thinking about it. I found the topic I wanted to talk about, and then I started to rehearse. I created slides and images, just like you might think of uh, putting on a speech. But as I got farther through it and I practiced it, one of my friends, Charlie Hohen, another great author and speaker, said, I think you should change things. And he asked me to move them around. And so the night before, I changed the majority of the talk, the order, what I said, even some of the images. As you can imagine, I never had time to practice this, not even on the rehearsal day because we ran out of time. So the first time and only time I really gave that talk was the moment in which I was standing in front of a live audience. Now, for many, that's probably producing a lot of anxiety. But what I focused on wasn't the fact that it was being taped or filmed. I returned to a simple place, and that simple place was, who am I speaking to? Now, I was giving a talk about education, and I'll explain that in a minute. And so I was thinking about, well, who's listening here? At first, I started thinking about teachers or school board members or who do I want to hear this message. But then I realized in the audience would be paying customers, people who paid to attend these TEDx talks, and they were in the Dominican Republic. I was giving the speech in English, but I had no idea what their proficiency might be. Would they be able to understand me? Would they get the idioms? If I put a joke, would they understand? So I had to stop and pause and think of, well, I'm not doing this for people who will watch this on YouTube someday. I'm delivering this message for the people in the audience. So it can't be for educators. It has to be about education and it has to be about something they can relate to. And more than likely, almost everyone, if not everyone in the audience, had at one time been a student. So that's what I decided to do. I would focus it on the students and talk to people from the lens of a teacher who maybe didn't understand what he was going to talk about. And so what I decided to do is orient my talk around the message. The message I wanted them to walk away with was, if we just listen to students, we could change the world. Education and everything about it, one classroom at a time. That was my message. Now I had to work on what would I say to do that. But that's the part that I really honed on, is the audience. So I slowed down my speech. I focused on some very um, creative ways using imagery and illustrations. Not just in the images, but in the way I describe things. And I tried to not use any educational jargon. No educationese, as I call it. I wanted it to be so simple and clear that no one in the audience, even if they're English was limited, would misunderstand. So I spent my time focusing on that. And that's what I did. I remembered that this was not for a bigger audience on YouTube. This was not for making me famous. This was to help people understand the message because I wanted them to walk away with a message they could talk about without ever having to go back to watch it or take notes or anything. I wanted to make sure they understood not only the content, but the emotional triggers that they could talk about when they left. So, ironically, I have been a storyteller my whole life. Not because I was good at it or anyone taught me how to do it. It's just something I had as a natural gift. 
I was a shy kid, but when I had a chance to transform and tell a story, I came to life. And I had collected 26,000 responses to this one single question that I had asked kids for over 24 years, and that question was, what makes a good teacher great? 26,000 responses to this question I had. I had file folders of this, so many that I had to uh, create carts and and store them in my mother's house. But for some reason, I never stopped asking, but I never really understood what it meant. But as I started to collect these, I started to notice patterns. That's what I wanted to share, is what I observed that kids were saying that us adults had missed for a long time, and that if I had listened, I might have been a better teacher. And my plea was that please listen to students. They're telling you exactly what they need and how they want to learn if you just listen. So the simplicity of that message is what made it really sing. And if you haven't watched it, I encourage you to uh, go on to YouTube and look for What Makes a Good Teacher Great. You can see it there. Not because I want you to count it as a view, but because I want you to see what I mean by the simple structure of this. Now, ironically, because I hadn't prepared um, (laughs) except for the night before, um, it wasn't perfect. My grammar wasn't great. I made mistakes. I didn't have it all down. But my goal wasn't to entertain, but was to convey the story, the message. I wasn't trying to be correct. I was trying to be convincing. What I've noticed that uh, along the way is that so many of the comments, there's probably thousands and thousands of comments by now. The thing that I noticed is that whenever there was a critique or criticism, it was, was often about what I said. Not the content, but judging my correctness. Like, don't trust this guy. He doesn't know how to use an adverb. Stuff like that. And more than likely, those were teachers. And I thought it was quite funny in that that was the whole point of this, is that if you listen to people, not to what they're saying, but by what they mean, you'll really gain some understanding. And obviously, that kind of you know, triggered me as a, as a creator. You don't want to be judged. But I realized they weren't judging this message, they were judging me. And that's hard when you're a creator. When you're going to write a book, I hate to tell you, but you're going to get judged. You're going to be criticized. You're going to be held accountable. And that's going to be hard. But what I don't want you to worry about is whether or not that makes you right. You're not trying to make things perfect when you create a book or anything for that matter. I know so many authors who came to me asking for help who years and years later, still haven't put out their book because they're afraid that it's not good. Not yet. And they say, I'm just a perfectionist. And really, I think many of us perfectionists are just masquerading. And we'd probably be better to be called procrastinators. Because what we're procrastinating is the inevitable judgment that will come. You will be judged and critiqued if you share anything into the world, whether it's good in your eyes or not. So if you're trying to avoid criticism by being perfect, I hate to tell you that the more you try to perfect it, the harder criticism you may receive. So you have to accept it. You are not perfect. You're never going to be perfect, and the work you do will not be perfect either. So stop trying. I'm not saying don't make it good. I'm not saying don't edit it, doing the best you can. But if you're trying to avoid criticism, writing a book is probably not the thing you want to try. Because done is better than perfect. A message shared with an audience that cares is better than one that sits in a drawer 
known by no one. A message that resonates can be forgiven if there's improper language or mistakes made, as long as it's true and honest and vulnerable. Think of all the books you've read. Let's pick textbooks. I helped edit textbooks for a while. And the truth are, they're not perfect either, but they sound perfect, right? There's so many textbooks that we read in our, in our life. And I bet you probably didn't find many mistakes in them. And even if you did, they're probably simple. But because they're perfect doesn't mean they're good, and impressionable, long-standing, useful tools for your life. Sure, they might have helped you pass the test and they had good information. But I'm talking about creating a message that changed people's lives. I would say there's two kinds of people in the world. Those who create and those who critique. Which one would you rather be? Because you can't be both at the same time. And if you are, that's what you'll be stuck in perfectionism. Because if you're the critiquer of your own creation, you will never finish. You'll constantly have excuses of why it's not good enough, that it needs one more revision, just one more pass, or maybe you need to start again. You had a better idea. I met this young author who had been working on a novel for three years, which is impressive to be committed to something that long. And I asked him, so where are you? Are you editing? Are you writing? They said, I'm on the very last chapter. And I thought, well, that's fantastic. How long have you been on this chapter? Like, how long have you been here? They had been on that last chapter for two and a half years. So they were done in six months, but they were stuck on the last chapter. And I asked them, well, why don't you finish? Like, you're so close. And they said, I want it to be perfect. And I knew in that moment they would never, ever publish that book because their perfectionism would get in the way of their publishing. If you have a book you're hanging on to that you want it to be perfect, guess what? It never will be. It's as close to perfect as it will ever be, and that's just got to be good enough. Now, if you're somebody who loves to do things perfectly, you know what I'm talking about. This is hard to hear. But I want to inspire all of you. There is no perfect. Your work is good as it is, and there are editors who can make it even better. Your message matters more than its perfection. Your truth matters more than how well it's punctuated. But even after it's done and polished and proofread and made perfect, doesn't mean people won't criticize you or give you a bad review or tell you that your ideas aren't good. Those are the critiquers in the world whose job in their mind is to go out and critique other people because they're too afraid to create. Make a choice. Be a creator. Takes an incredible amount of courage. Because I'm the least likely person that should be writing books. And as I've shared many times, I'm dyslexic. I didn't realize I was dyslexic until I almost graduated college because I didn't even know what that word meant. And then I realized as a teacher, um, it's so embarrassing not to be able to spell even when you're teaching sixth grade because you should be able to spell sixth grade words when you have a master's degree, but I couldn't. So I laugh at myself now because the thing I do is help authors get over their imperfection and hit publish. Pressing publish is the most important part of a creator's journey, whether you're creating an art, poetry, a book, or speaking on the stage. Press publish. That's more important than anything else. Because if you're waiting to leave your house until you look perfect, you'll never leave. 
And if you think you're perfect and you walk out and people criticize you, you're going to think that it's true. Just because you get critique doesn't mean they're right. And right is only because they choose to hold it up against their own critique, their own criticism of themselves. So I want you to go into the world and create. The world needs your message because the world needs you. If you don't write that book, there is no one in the world that can. Not a single person. Not if you have a twin, a triplet, a quadruplet set of uh, siblings. No one can write the book you'll write. In fact, you're the only one in the universe that exists that could ever write the book that you plan to write. So if you don't, it will never get written. Because you have a book in your heart, I know you're the one to write it. Because you care, I know you're the one to write it. All I ask is you tell the truth. You be honest and vulnerable. Because that's what readers are looking for. Somebody to listen to who they can see themselves in and go, that person, what they said, I can see. It's truth. Whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, you need to be exactly as honest as you can. And the honesty even comes with imperfections. So maybe you've written a draft. Maybe you've written 20 drafts. Maybe you've started books and never finished or poems or any sort of written piece or anything creative. I know I have, you know, trunks full of journals and ideas of books and things I started but didn't finish. And I often say it took me 24 years and 30 days to write my first book, 24 years to procrastinate and try to be perfect, and then eventually 30 days to actually write it. That's something I teach people, is how to get over this perfectionist viewpoint and write books in shorter times than they think. Books aren't hard, they're easy. What's hard is getting over this belief, this belief that it's hard, this belief that it's never going to be good enough, this belief that you're not good enough, or that you don't know how. And to untrain your brain to believe that books are not for you. That's for somebody else. If you have a book in your heart, it's meant for you. No one's going to give you permission. You have to grant permission to yourself. And so that's why I'm calling you to publish your book this year. It's not too late to start writing. And if you have a draft sitting on your hard drive or in that drawer, it's not too late to press publish. And that's why we're calling you to join Join our programs because we believe in you. Press Publish is a new program we have to help authors take their manuscript out of that desk, out of their hard drive, and get the editing, publishing, and um, support that they need to finally put their book out into the world. We help guide you step-by-step step on how to publish your book. That means where to find editors. Because the truth is, I never knew that there were many types of editors. So we'll teach you what type of editor do I need? Where do I find them? How much should it cost? How do I know if they're any good? How do I know if they're right for me? Those may seem simple, but every decision can keep you from taking action and return back to that perfectionistic place where it's just not good enough. How do I get it onto Amazon? How do I get it to be a Kindle book? How do I get it printed? What, how do I get a cover designed? What about the interior and the way it looks? There's so many little pieces that most people get stuck in this very spot. I don't want you to be stuck anymore. We're taking a group, a small group of people and a cohort. We're going to guide you every step of the way. It's more affordable than any program we ever, ever offered. And because it's one of our first uh, programs that we're launching for done with you programs for this press publish, we want to offer you a special spot here. I want to guide you every step of the way 
and use our publishing team to help you make decisions. The, the stuff we use in our professional publishing program and our press to teach you how you can learn to do this yourself and get your book out of you. I'm so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you tune in, you've been listening for a while or this is your very first time. It's not too late. I didn't write my first book until I was almost 47 years old. And I wasn't certain that I could even do it. So just know that every step you take will help you, but you can't get stuck in your perfectionism. I'm Asul Thronis. Thank you for listening to another episode here. I'm so grateful for you. And I want to inspire you to press publish. Thank you for listening again to another episode of Authors Who Lead. We appreciate you being here and we hope you subscribe so you get this delivered to your device every week. And if you haven't left us a review, please do so. It really helps. And if you have a book in your heart, you've been wanting to write a book, please go to authorswholead.com and join us on this journey of becoming a published author. 